This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. In each episode, we bring you information, insights, ideas, and interviews from some of the industry's top thought leaders. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic and guide the show. This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. I'm your host, Jamie Wood. Our topic today, building better business acumen. You know, I've been having a lot of conversations recently around what selling media is going to look like in the next 12 to 24 months. My strong opinion, the market is going to become or continue to be extremely challenging. The people who possess a strong business acumen, in my opinion, will be the ones who prosper. So what is business acumen? Many people make the mistake of mislabeling financial literacy as business acumen. And so, you know, whilst knowing EBITDA, P&L, CPI, how to interpret financial reports, very desirable skill. True business acumen goes well beyond this. Now, HubSpot had a great article around the relationship between sales and business acumen. They put forward this definition, which I think really encapsulates it for me. Business acumen is the ability to combine experience, knowledge, perspective, and awareness to make sound business decisions. It's the practice of good judgment and the capacity to consider a holistic, long-term view of organizational needs. Think about that in the context of what we do. We as media salespeople work within businesses and we sell primarily into businesses. Having a high degree of business acumen allows you to not only navigate your own employer, but also to have a high level conversation with a business leader or a key decision maker. We often talk about moving from being that tactical seller to that trusted advisor and solution provider. Business acumen is the skill that underpins how we do this. Our guest today is Adam Lang. Adam is the Director of Relativity Consulting, and they're the publishers of Fear and Greed, a daily podcast designed to set you up for success. Now, I'd highly recommend everyone listening right now, pause, subscribe to this podcast, and not mine, I'm talking about Fear and Greed, and then come back and have a listen. It's the only way to guarantee that you'll get access to a new episode every day at 6.30am. Really excited about this topic, really excited to have a chat to Adam. It's going to be a great episode. The first five. Adam, welcome to the show. Jamie, thank you very much for having me on. Well, it's great to have you. And, and uh, you know, we were just talking prior to hitting the record button about fear and greed. Tell us a little bit about your experience across media and entertainment and what led to the creation of fear and greed. Okay. So, Jamie, I'm 51 years old, so I've been doing it for a while. I uh, did a degree in economics and figured I didn't really want to use it strictly. So I got into the music industry and... Uh, yeah, from about 1993 to 2004, I worked with recording artists and songwriters. Uh, then I moved to Network 10 uh, in the mid-2000s till about 2007, where I worked within the sales team, and then uh, to what was then Austereo, now Southern Cross Austereo, in 2007 until 2012. And I worked in that uh, business as part of the sales team in airtime management, commercial airtime management, and then through to general manager and director of operations. And then I left in 2012 to uh, become managing director of Fairfax Radio Network, which then merged with Macquarie in 2015 to become Macquarie Media and uh, became chief executive officer. So I left there in October 2019. That's one year ago. And in terms of fear and greed, really is that classic case of trying to find something and not being able to find it. So I got together with a couple of people who I really enjoy working with 
and we created it. So the idea with fear and greed is that um, if you're in media sales or in your own, any business, you're interested in Australian business or investing, what we wanted to do was give people a 20-minute listen where they could get all the business news they needed to know and an interesting interview each day. So we now get up at around 4 in the morning. We write, record and publish by 6.30. And uh, then we do some social media promotion on Fear and Greed and then we start it all over again. So uh, really it's been a, an incredible time, if I look back from 93 till now, uh, from music industry to radio to television and now in the digital world of podcasting. It's unreal to to hear that cross-section of experience you have and, you know, probably makes you the perfect guest to answer this next question. You know, across, I'll do what I can, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> well, across your experience, so, you know, you've, you've got something of a financial background, you've worked across media, entertainment, um, you know, the record industry. I'm just curious for your perspective, so in the context of media sales, what is good business acumen and why is it so important for a media salesperson to develop? Acumen is, uh, I think, a great catch-all descriptor for, for so many skills. It's, uh, I don't know that there's an easy way to, to uh, underpin it, but what I would say the factors that go into it, um, acumen, are essentially recognising that business is genuinely about people, and I know that's cliche, but every single person, start with that personal acumen, that personal respect, empathy, and then really build on that the skills of of listening and learning because you, you think you can do, you know, your research about a business, you, you look at the industry someone is in, you look at the business that you're talking to and you try and develop your acumen about business. You try and look at them and have some empathy to what their trading context is and understanding their challenges. But it's, it's really about your insight and your empathy into what they're going through. So first, I think acumen comes in the ability to listen to the person, respect the person, and really understand their trading environment and the challenges they have. It's then about using your own skills and filtering everything that you've heard and being able to talk to them in a way that, that they understand and that they genuinely feel you understand what they're talking about and that you're meeting their challenges. So... I really think it centers around empathy, um, understanding your trading context, what you need to do, but also how that can benefit the person you're talking to. Um, if I look back across my career, I think the best media salespeople that I've ever seen um, tend to combine that ability, the need, uh, the need to understand their clients and combine their skills and expertise, their media expertise, to offer great solutions to their clients and develop a long-term relationship. So... In essence, I think acumen starts with people, um, listening and understanding. Media Sales Mastery. It's fair to say that over the next 12 to 24 months, media salespeople are going to be selling into markets where their prospects and clients are going to have multiple priorities. They're going to have changing market conditions, and there's going to be complex business issues that need to be solved. For somebody selling media in 2020 and beyond, mate, what are some of the broader challenges that you might anticipate in the advertising market and how might this impact the approach required by a media salesperson going forward? So, look, I think I'm probably, you know, neither cautious nor optimistic or pessimistic, but I think until we have a vaccine, it's just appropriate to be cautious about the outlook. So I think 
2020 has been a hell of a ride, a roller coaster, exceptional. Um, but I think that 2021 will be better, but I don't know that everything's going to get solved. So, you know, as we head towards Christmas this year in our trading environment where we're looking at finishing this year, October, November, December, usually a really healthy last quarter into that key retail trading period of Christmas and tourism and holidays over the new year and look towards going back to school, to university, to work. You know, the pattern is going to be somewhat different and I don't know that we're going to have as an exuberant Christmas as we might have hoped. But looking ahead to the next year, I think we just need to be comfortable with that uncertainty. And I hope it doesn't last long. I genuinely do, but I think I think it might. I think if you tend then to look beyond the, the main sort of overall macroeconomic picture of being uncertain, I think it really serves um, to take an industry-by-industry industry approach without being, you know, too much of an economist or too linear. You know, when you're talking to a client, try and have an understanding of what the sector that they're in is going through. So some of the hardest sectors, like tourism, like higher education, like higher, uh, hospitality, those clients market by market are going to be in a different training environment. You can then look at retail. You know, retail overall has done pretty well. If you're in Bunnings, there's a lot of home renovations. If um, you're doing groceries, that's really healthy. Uh, if you're not online, you've probably got a massive challenge. But, you know, the retail industry is, is broadly okay. Some are doing better than others, but broadly okay. Uh, automotive, it seems that cars and people buying cars has really been diminished. So, Take a look beyond the macroeconomic picture of uncertainty and really look into the industry that your clients are trading in, the context of that industry, and and then market by market. What's the nuance uh, that each market is going through? For example, Western Australia, you know, the, the economy is growing. It grew 1.3% uh, in the June quarter. It's almost like there's no issue there. The virus is practically a non-issue. They've got people going uh, to Optus Stadium in Perth watching the football. Um, it, it's incredible. But if you're in Victoria, in Melbourne, it's a very different trading context. Hopefully, uh, some of those lockdowns will thaw out soon. Uh, Brisbane, Sydney, uh, Adelaide, Hobart, you know, all the different markets, metropolitan and regional, are all in different contexts. And I think uh, if you can look just beyond the macro picture and try and drill into the industry and the market that those clients are trading in, it'll really help your understanding of the sorts of challenges that your clients are going into before they even uh, the conversation begins. It's a really good call out for WA. You know, office work is back to 99% of pre-COVID levels, which I just found astonishing. I mean, you think about it and it go, you go, it kind of makes sense because they're so isolated and they have the ability to, you know, eradicate the virus effectively. But what I find really interesting about Adam and, and for people listening is, you know, we were all hypothesizing on this virus is going to change the future of how we work and the office environment's no longer going to be relevant. And then you can kind of look to Perth and go, well, hang on a sec, like th th for all intents and purposes, they've kind of just returned to normal, um, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. I think, you know, again, it's important to look at that market by market level, as you sort of said, rather than looking at these broad national trends. And on that I suppose continuing on that theory of sort of more micro level stuff, 
you know, business acumen we know is a very powerful skill, as you mentioned earlier, sitting in front of a new client, doing an assessment of their business and its needs. Can you talk a little bit about um, the kind of questions that might underpin a new client discovery meeting? You know, something that a media salesperson could use to gain a more holistic and nuanced understanding of the client business and their challenge. Uh, sure. Look, the, I think it goes back to that that personal empathy being critical here. You'll only get a person talking about themselves if they're comfortable, if they respect you, and I think it's and they think it's a productive conversation. So, uh, really, just remember the business is about people, and really listen to that person and and make that your focus, and draw in as much as you can of what they're saying. Uh, I mentioned the homework on the industry, the company. Have a look at their competitors. And whatever you can find out about the person you're meeting, it, it helps that person feel really listened to. Um, go into the conversation knowing as much as you can, you know, about their company, their training context, how long that person's been in the role, whatever their circumstances might be. They're all important because they all go into to their personal bias and their decision making. Uh, beyond that, uh, which is a you know a really important base of knowledge, I think for any uh, business and for any person, it's again come, become a little bit cliche to understand their reasons for doing things, their, their why. You know, why do they work where they are? Why do they do the role they do? What, what is the company and business to do? What's their mission and values? If, if you can understand those things, for example, the, the personal why, how they get into the role, why they do it, get them talking about themselves a little bit, you know, a little bit and some conversation flowing, you, you might learn some really important motivations about their decision-making. Why, ask again, why Why do their clients buy their product? You know, has that changed recently through this COVID period or are they feeling like their clients are behaving differently? That can really underpin the marketing solutions that you might craft uh, for that particular challenge. And as we approach the end of this, this year, Start to ask them, uh, if you haven't already, what they think their 2021 is going to look like. You've heard me talk about it. You'll have your own view. You, know, you will, Jamie, and people in the audience listening now will have their own view of what they hope and what they think will happen in 2021. But if you can get a better understanding of their 12 months ahead, you can really begin with that end in mind and work backwards to, to now with the options for the marketing solutions that you can provide. What I love about what you're saying there, and it's sort of a, a bit of a theme that's been un, you know, uncovered over the last probably four or five episodes, is this kind of shift from where we used to historically say sales is a, num a numbers game. You know, The more people you speak to, the more successful you'll be. And the shift, Adam, has gone to exactly what you're saying is, no, it's about really good targeting. It's about really good pre-work pre and research. It's about having a really good understanding so that when you have that finite opportunity to sit in front of a high value prospect, you don't burn it. You know, you're there with everything in the armory ready to convert that to an opportunity. And I, I think it sort of lends to probably a shift we're seeing more broadly from the audience when I talk to people that reach out and listen to the podcast where a lot of them are comfortable transacting with multiple small to mid-sized clients, right? Where they've got a direct relationship with a key decision maker. Let's talk about you know, the process of targeting those larger high-value clients and maybe the, the ad adapted process required um, in that approach. You know, when selling into a large and complex organization with a lot of stakeholders, how might a solid business acumen assist a media salesperson to just increase their chance of success? 
Sure. Look, um, if I might, Jam, I'll just go back a little bit on, sure. on what you're saying before. The, I think there at, there's an absolute merit in that volume and quality equation. You know, the volume of calls you make, the volume of work you do, and the quality of work you do. They're both critically important. And, and everyone will have a you know subjective valuation of what volume and quality mean. But I think you're right. I think that uh, that people are less interested in the number of conversations. Uh, they're more interested in the, the number of quality conversations they can have to help make their business challenges easier. So, uh, you know, the days, the days when, you know, you join a sales team and be handed the yellow pages and just start talking, you know, they're gone. You know, this there is merit in finding someone cold calling, but before you do, really understand their context before you jump in. Uh, to answer your question now about uh, the bigger companies, uh, in my experience, the, the principles of selling really remain the same. It's not always true, but the bigger the amount of money involved, the more people tend to be involved and the more process and tools tend to be involved in that decision making. And one of the great risks is as more people become involved, it seems that objections get overweighted. And what I mean by that is, um, let's say you have 10 people involved in a decision. If one person expresses a query or has a um, doesn't look as well on an option as everyone else or turns it down, that seems to have more weight in, in bigger groups than perhaps pro rata suggests it should. So, you know, to use that clumsy example, if one out of 10 talks it down, it seems to have a greater than one in 10 effect. And so the, the purpose of saying that is just to say how frail you know, the bigger decision-making process can be along the way. And I think one of the things you've got to do is, you know, acknowledging the higher value does not suggest that you put less effort in. It's just as much effort. You've got to really make sure that the stakeholders involved in that decision uh, you're close to them as much as you can be, that you understand their motivations, you understand their timelines for decision-making, when you think their critical periods of um, consideration will be, like when their meeting schedule is going to be, when they're presenting back to a client. All those things are really important to understand. Uh, as that decision tree goes, know where the stakeholders are, and as much as you can, consider their view and how much you should be communicating with them to assure that your best op, you know your options best placed as best placed as it can be in the, in that process so uh, i guess the principles remain the same the more you can inform yourself about the client their challenges and the people in the decision tree the better you tend to be able to communicate and ensure that you, your proposal has the best chance but in short, principles remain the same. It's actually more effort than you might think because of the dollars involved and just how contagious objections can be. It's a really good point around that that objection contagion. I love that phrase. It's <laughs> it may not sound very elegant, but you know, it's it's an observation that I've seen happen uh, so many times. Well, it re- it actually really reflects my experience as well because. I think what I found really interesting early on starting out as a media salesperson and going for those enterprise sales with those bigger those bigger targets, not knowing who the stakeholders in the room were specifically in terms of their function. So, you know, 
a procurement person? What are their unique challenges? What is their role in the organization? Where do they sit in the hierarchy? How much weight do they carry in that room? You know, who in this room out of these 10 people has the ability to completely derail the process just because they're having a bad day? And that's, you know, that's a pretty dramatic example. But having that level of organizational awareness. It comes from experience, right? It, it does, <laughs> You've yeah. You've seen it happen. And I've learned, I've learned by failing over 11 years, but it's... Um, <laughs> But it's definitely... I've been in it for more, Jamie. I've learned the same way. <laughs> well, it's interesting, though, because it sort of lends to the next question. You know, you, you previous to what you're doing now, you're a CEO leading a large media organization. Let's talk about internal, right? So what, what role does good business acumen play internally for a media salesperson? And to give context, you know, things like career advancement, being able to manage internal stakeholders, being able to actually properly articulate something, an issue at the coalface that can be then interpreted by somebody in the C-suite. Um, you know, what's been your experience with people with really good business acumen internally and how has that helped them advance? So I think uh, probably something that I didn't expect and learned early and kept observing it was that sales teams are critical in so many ways and uh, I think uh, one of the sort of early observations of media was sales teams tended to have the earliest uh, evolution of a team focus, developing vision, developing culture, uh, role playing in terms of you know client negotiation scenarios, a really good structure of meetings and budget planning and so on. So I think that uh, for most sales teams, when you join a good media organization, you start to learn immediately by experience how to develop that acumen. So I think that's something that, I guess, within the media environment, respect that not all teams are run the same. Sales teams might be run differently, as they should be, but you're learning some skills that that may well be unique in the business, and they are fabulous skills. So when you're considering a client externally, use all those skills internally. Um, they are really, really useful. And, you know, you want to get on with people. Respect, again, that the business business is all about people. And, and treat your internal stakeholders much as you would a client. You're all, I know it's cliche again, but you are and should be all on the same team. That's the job of senior leadership to ensure that you are functioning better as a whole than you are as a group of individuals. So if you can use those sales skills that you're inducted with, that you learn and get better at over time, use them as much externally as you do internally. And I think that will hold you in, in very good stead. Another way is that because you're engaging in the market, uh, you are learning an immense set of knowledge um, or getting an immense set of knowledge about clients in your market, about the industries they're in, about the suburbs and the environments that they're trading in, about their competitors, their personal motivations and what's important to them. So that is a tremendous set of knowledge and you can't presume that salesperson to salesperson are all seeing the same thing. You're probably seeing similar things but not the same and sharing that experience amongst each other is, is critical. But also anticipating that when it comes to your internal stakeholders outside of sales, they're not seeing that. You know, they're, typically they're not in the market in the same way. And so the knowledge that you have as a member of the sales team can be invaluable. For example, 
if you know an industry is in trouble um, and, and a client might be experiencing financial difficulty, at the right time, having a chat with your finance team is the right thing to do so that they understand in whatever market you're talking about, whatever industry you're talking about, that that client is doing it tough and we're going to need to help them or we need to watch certain things about their training patterns. That finance team will come to regard you very, very highly about your engagement with them. Um, so just as a small example of how you can engage. Another one would be that, again, with your sales um, skills and experience, when you're talking to clients, you're often talking to listeners. They're often not just listening for their ad, but they listen to the station and they buy the stations that they want to hear or they buy the media that they want to, want to see, you know, whether it's outdoor, on television, uh, listening on the radio or even in podcasting. They tend to pay more attention to the realms that they're buying. And so you can learn a great amount from those people as audience members, even though they're clients first and foremost, you can learn a great deal of information for them from them as audience members and that filtering back to your program teams or to your creative teams or um, to your media executives will be very, very useful. So I think if you, if you look at it in that way, broadly speaking, that in sales, you've got an exceptional set of skills and experience. Uh, you're using that in market. But you can also use those skills and that experience internally just as well for the benefit of the company and indeed your career. And the more you get on with people, the more that you can provide valuable information to people and show that you're a team player, the higher regard in which you'll be held. So really, I love that example you you had around finance, um, just to really sort of hang on that one point. I think one thing we're very guilty of as media salespeople, and I've called this out on episodes before, is I've always been amazed at the the dichotomy sometimes in good media salespeople where they can go out to market and be the most charming, charismatic, diplomatic, articulate, measured um, you know individual that this client's ever seen, and then they come into the business and they're just complete tyrants, and and they you know <laughs> they throw their weight around and they they you know they have a horrible internal reputation, and I've always just found it so interesting that people don't invest just as much time internally trying to build their their internal reputation and profile um and look arguably it's um it's it's always going to take work because a lot of the time there is as you said there's that misalignment in what the client needs and potentially what a big you know a big structure of a media organization is is there to fulfill so there's a lot of process conflict that has to be navigated through but i just think that was a really great example there adam of of something so simple but would be so impactful is just to have that dialogue with a finance team to preempt an issue. Um, that's going to elevate, you know, your standard media salesperson to being a bit of an A player internally in the organization very quickly, just those one percenters. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think um, just to reinforce it a little bit, you know, you, you probably yourself as a salesperson, whomever is listening, you know, that you're paying attention to your own media pretty closely. So the value that has back internally to your program, your creative, uh, your teams that are focused on creating that content for the best possible, in the best possible way for the audience, is probably not something that, that sales um, use all the time, but it works. And, you know, to have someone, you know, whether it's radio, television, outdoor, film, whatever, who can, who can come to you and say, hey, this mattered to this audience member for this reason. 
it just shows you thinking of them, mm-hmm. and you know that it it shows also that you you cared enough to to get to tell them. And um, I think you know to your point around those people who might behave differently in different circumstances. It, you know, when when people see that, it, it can cause enormous damage to their credibility. You know, if you get to know someone in a certain way and you think, oh, they're a great team player, they care, they, they're looking beyond just their own field and their own selfish interest. Uh, they're looking for a team performance. I want to work with them. You know, then you see something happen and it can wipe out an enormous amount of good work. Mm. So it's just not logical to behave that way. And, uh, you know, you'd, you'd hope to think that it was a rare moment and that those exceptions, you can acknowledge them, you know, make good on them with a the person that, that might be affected and build that relationship back again because, it, it, you know, good relationships are honestly so worthwhile. You might not see the immediate benefit in your monthly budget, but it'll come and it'll come in the medium to longer term. Yeah, and it's it's also I think to round this one out, you know, and it just kind of occurred to me when you were saying that we do in a typical week as part of a sales process, we we collect market intelligence, we we do mm-hmm. forecasts, you know, we look to we look to maybe sort of I guess just try to capture at a moment in time what the sentiment with our clients and customers, you know, kind of is in that in that particular kind of context, and then feed that up the line, and. I think a lot of media salespeople kind of miss miss the opportunity to really dive deep into that process. I think we do have the habit of kind of running at a pace and intensity where it's all about the next deal, the next revenue, what's what client issues coming in today. Um, and we don't take the time to sit there and reflect and actually look at that competitive analysis and look at what the data is telling us and look at the trends. Go back and revisit you know, the past six weeks of reporting and see if you can pick out those nuggets that might actually provide some context for a mood or a sentiment that's happening with clients across a patch. Um, that to me, I just think is is so valuable, but something that's just often probably missed, you know, in the day-to-day sales process. Would that be your sort of experience as well, mate? I think it is, and everyone to different levels at different times. But uh, we were, I, Jamie, we were talking just before we hit record and just to refrain that a little bit, you know, you're a, you're a parent and you're busy and as am I. And you, sometimes you don't have to be a parent to be busy. You don't have to be a parent to be overwhelmed. It can happen at any time in your life, you know, where particularly when there's pressure for whatever reason. And it's sometimes just really hard personally to get that time in your head for reflection. Mm. And so, you know, if you can just sit and breathe every now and then and not just strictly look at anything, read anything, listening, just observe what's going on around you, whether it's consuming some media, you know, listen to a podcast, uh, watch something or just read a book, sit and, and just meditate, whatever, you can tend to allow yourself to keep that power of observation up. It's something that, that goes, the more you're overwhelmed, the the less observant you can tend to be. Um, so the more you can observe what's going on around you, you think, hey, actually, I'm just going to say something to someone. And it could be the most random of thing, but, you know, the mind is a wonderful thing and intuition can be developed. But if you have a, a presence, if you're in the moment and you're inclined to say something, you know, good behaviour, go and congratulate someone, even if it's not your business. I'm sure that 
very few people mind being complimented, you know. <laughs> and if it's something that you feel you need to question, you know, don't presume that you've observed something correctly, but just go and ask them why something happened. You know, be really open-minded and express that as support because, you know, you, you really want to help your own powers of observation. You want to understand what's going on, but you also want to help your teammates. And it's just so easy to be overwhelmed. It's a, the same thing happens with clients, with, with other members of your team. So I guess just that recognition and, and something I think one of the few benefits of ageing is that I'm getting better at allowing myself that time for reflection and, and observation. Yeah, such a great point to round that out. I can't ask my sales manager that. Adam, I want to jump to the listener-submitted question this week, and this one is going to be right right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> okay. I was almost ready to just write back and just and just tell them to subscribe to Fear and Greed because um, it kind of <laughs> solves their problem. But look, they, it came through on the website. Um, name has been withheld, but the question is, I sell a very niche media product, which has a long sales cycle. I won't go into specifics of why this is the case, but for context, it can take six to 12 months from my first contact with an advertiser to them potentially coming on board and running a campaign with us. One thing my sales manager drills into us is that we need to keep in touch with clients regularly so we are top of mind during the internal sales approval process. My sales manager says I should always have something of value to share when I call so it's not just a standard follow-up call. He suggested things like reading financial news and calling to share something interesting I saw. Does this actually work? And if so, what am I supposed to actually get across that would be worth sharing? I don't really understand much about financial markets. Um, so... That one to me just feels feels like it's very much in in I suppose a problem that a lot a lot of the fear and greed audience you, are having. <laughs> you've selected it purpose built, haven't you? <laughs> so well, and for context, you. and I need to disclose this and apologise. This yeah. this person submitted this question four and a half months ago, so we're we're oh, taking yeah. our time. But it, it just it it's still, still relevant, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is absolutely is. I've um, you know had across my career personally professionally. Sales cycles can be incredibly long. I've had, you know, friends in property or in infrastructure, such as building railways. Those are years long, mm. you know. And I, I think whether it's a short-term media sale or a longer-term infrastructure sale, so many of the principles remain the same. And I hope we've we've touched on on the answer within the conversation we've had today, but. Look, I think that the sales manager in this case is right. You know, having something of value to share when you can and call, keep close. That that that's all true. And I think probably, if I can interpret the question a bit better or a bit more, I should say, uh, is to say that uh, it's probably about how they do it. Mm. You know, and and what what are some of the tools to get some of that information, and then filter it to contextualize so it's actually relevant to the client and not just trite information that they don't need to know, mm. you know, a call for the sake of a call or trying to talk about something that you really don't understand because that, that won't benefit anybody. So, look, you know, indeed, that is why we, one of the many reasons why uh, we created Fear and Greed. It's 20 minutes, uh, you know, in the mornings that can facilitate that information for you. And not just the information, but it gives you the context to understand the why. Not just why a share price went up and down or someone lost money or why there's a Royal Commission or the US election, but um, not just the data, not just the information that happened, but 
a bit of the why. And, mm. and that, I think, is the critical part of anyone remembering information is the story around it. You know, we're human beings. So let's just say, you know, someone you're talking to is in medical supplies and it's a six to 12 month sale. You know, what you may not need know about that industry very much, but you can certainly, you know, whether fear and greed or other media, you know that there's a pandemic. You know that supply chains are disrupted. For example, we all heard about how masks were in short supply and medical equipment wasn't enough to be the front line. So, you know, is just to draw on one example of, of a medical client, you know, you'll hear in the news uh, something about that industry that'll be relevant. Or if it's infrastructure, you know, if you're sort of in Sydney, the long journey that the light rail took to be built and just how controversial it got, you know, people love a bit of gossip, you know. <laughs> so, you know, if there's something in their industry that's happened like that and you're interested in it, chances are they will be too, you know. So um, and what does that mean for the campaign that you're talking about? What does it mean for their training environment? Um and just to share that with them. Um, and it's often, you know, really easy to ask themselves about how they're trading in a month, a quarter, a year, you know, based on something that you've picked up that's happening. So I think it goes back to what we're saying, the acumen question that you started with, Jamie, is a ripper. You know, I don't think I have a good definition for acumen, but I think the foundations of it are empathy, respect, listening and learning. And if you can keep those things in mind when you're you know, reading or ingesting or you know, listening to a podcast called Fear and Greed about the news, you know, use that to think, of, oh, I've got one of my clients who I can talk to about that, you know, and, and make a note of it. Remember to do it um, because the best ones can often come spontaneously. They're, they're genuine. You know, you've had a thought about that client, use it, take it. So, um, and if not, you know, use your CRM, use your customer relationship management database. Now, when was the last time you communicated, called, emailed, but particularly called or met with that person and know that you should keep that, you know, you shouldn't keep those those conversations too far apart and that there's always something to talk about, you know, whether it's their personal interests in sports or the industry they're, they're trading in or the market they're in, there's always something to talk about. So I, I agree with that sales manager's advice, you know, something of value to share. So it's not just a call or a follow-up, but I think what I've tried to do is help that, you know, well, what to talk about and why. I hope that answers the question. No, I think you've nailed it. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. It's all in the delivery. And I think a lot of a lot of salespeople get told that by sales managers. I'm sure I'm, in my career, I've been guilty of it too. I think the challenge is for a lot of people starting out, it's how do they interpret and translate that direction into a specific set of sales yes. actions that doesn't come off feeling contrived. And and so the way that you've positioned that, I think is perfect. And the only additional thought I'd add to that is that we probably want to remove sometimes this mental barrier that we need to be presenting ourselves as the absolute experts to clients all the time. If you've got a genuine question or you're intrigued about something in their category, you'd be surprised how how effective it is to pick up the phone and ask them for their opinion on something. Um, I you know I wonder whether sometimes Adam like picking up the phone and just going, hey, you know you're in this you're in this market you're in this sector. I've heard this headline. 
what does this actually mean? Like, you know, I specialize in media. That's my domain. I don't know your industry. What's your perspective on this? Um, Sometimes that actually can absolutely, you know, lead to some really powerful dialogue and it doesn't require you to be well, you know, well rehearsed. Now you don't want to call every client and, (laughs) and ask them a dumb question, but sometimes that can actually really open up a great relationship as well. No, I completely agree. It's it's a great suggestion. I think, you know, it really helps, again, business being about people. Don't just look at it as a campaign or a transaction. Look first and foremost at the person that you're talking to as a person. And then in the business they're in and the person that got business challenges that needs needs to have the needs to meet them. And marketing is one of them. And so t- to your, I think, excellent point is, you know, Find out more about their business and don't treat it as just a transaction. Ask them something. You know, it's a it's a level playing field. You need to learn from them, hopefully as much as they can learn from you. And I think that's great advice. Well, I think this has been a great episode. We we've got a lot for people to kind of take away and unpack. I guess the final question I'd have for you is is there any one sort of parting thought you'd like to leave the audience with around the topic of building better business acumen? You know, maybe something that they might be able to take away and apply immediately um, as they go into the next couple of weeks. So, uh, look, I think for, for anyone that's kind of swayed away from the path for want of a better expression, remember that you're talking to people. It's not just a transaction. And that will be particularly important in this trading environment. Uh, because the uncertainty leads us all probably to overthink things about what's next and when a vaccine might come or things might improve. I generally don't think the pandemic will change everything, but it's it's definitely quickening a lot of evolution. And where that will end for every industry is not completely clear. But the more that you can inform your acumen, you know, the empathy, respect, listening and learning, keeping close to your clients, treating them as people um, with, with challenges to solve, the better, the better your relationships and your trading will be. Great summary, Adam. Now, I'm not going to let you leave until you give us a bit more information on fear and greed. So, <laughs> okay. you know, tell us, tell us a little bit about where you guys are on the journey and, you know, for anyone in the audience, how they can help you guys get the word out about what you're doing. Sure. So, thank you. The, we started on the 18th of May and uh, I reckon some of those first episodes were pretty lumpy, but we've done two weeks of Off-Broadway before that. I think, <laughs> you know, when you've done a show a day, you learn pretty quickly, and we're now we're now doing thirteen episodes a week. So we do a six thirty edition Monday to Friday. We do a weekend wrap on a Saturday, and we do a Sunday feature interview. Uh, we then started on Mondays the week ahead with economist Stephen Kukulis on a Monday, and it's about what data is coming. So whether it's consumer confidence, business confidence, the Reserve Bank is meeting, um, you know, employment data all these really big macroeconomic things, it's, you know, five minutes to tell you what's coming up so you get a heads up of what's in the week ahead. And then we do a market wrap every evening for 5.30 about what's happened on the investment market, the stock exchange. So, you know, May 18 to to today has evolved a lot. We did in our first month, we did 60,000 downloads in uh, July, 75,000. In August... We did 94 and then September we did 124,000 and 
we're growing ahead of that this month and that's for us really important we've got an audience target we want to get to um, growth is good and I think you know in in any small business it's just the three of us pumping out uh, 13 episodes a week including six interviews there's a lot of information there all condensed down to any audience member that wants to listen in 20 minutes on your way to work Monday to Friday from 6 30 a.m you can get it there and you know, even if you don't listen every day, just try and listen a few times a week or even the weekly wrap on a Saturday and you'll get so much information that helps you in your trade, you know, to learn about what's going on in the economy and in different industries. So, look, we're doing well. There's three of us working hard and enjoying it immensely um, and we hope to continue for a long time. Well, mate, I, I'm a massive advocate of it, and um, I would really encourage anyone listening to go and subscribe. Um, you know, it takes a lot of effort to make a podcast. I think, you know, <laughs> I'm committing is. to one, committing to one a fortnight, and a lot of people think you just you just turn the mics on and just kind of free form it. But there's a lot of work in the back end, in in structuring the episodes, in doing the research. So, um, you know, to be putting out that volume of content and for it to be as as informative and and well packaged as it is, is a real test. Adam and I said to you offline my only my only criticism is that I didn't think of the idea first because it is <laughs> well that's a lovely compliment Jamie so thank you well look I'm going to put a link if it's okay Adam to to fear and greed to the website um, I'm going to put a link to your LinkedIn profile as well um, in the show notes of this episode for the audience to just be able to go and connect with you and to subscribe to Fear and Greed. Um, mate, thank you very much for your time. Um, really, really great to have someone with your experience kind of distill down what is a very complex and broad topic into some really key takeaways. So thank you again, mate. We hope to uh, to have you on soon and best wishes with Fear and Greed moving forward. Thank you, Jamie. I think this is a great initiative to, of yours. Um, I'm very pleased invited me on the show so thank you and I hope it goes well for you I think it's a terrific tool for for people to listen to not just in sales and not just in media so um really well done well thank you mate I, I I'm not going to share how many downloads I've got because they pale in comparison to yours but um <laughs> but yeah no it's a, I'm very passionate about this and I think you know it, it probably reflecting on on fear and greed you know I created this because I wanted it myself Good on you. um and and so you know I just hope that um yeah, well, and, and it's a, it's similar to to yourself, mate. So, you know, I hope that uh, for both of us that, you know, people understand that these are independent initiatives, um, you know, help us get the word out, like it, subscribe it, rate it. Um, every little bit helps at the moment. So, Adam Lang, thank you for your time. I'm going to let you go and uh, prep for the afternoon report <laughs> and tomorrow's 4 a.m. alarm clock. Uh, but thank you for being a guest today, mate. Jamie, thank you very much again. Have a good day. You've been listening to Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic, guide the show, and don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes each week.